1: Hi, this is Cami. rachel bloom joins us this week on money tales rachel is best known as the co-creator and star of the cw musical dramedy crazy ex-girlfriend she grew up as a theater kid and spent the early part of her life honing her craft as rachel tells us she was focused on making music videos and sketches that she thought were funny and that would help her make a name for herself money was never the goal rachel is an award-winning actress comedian writer singer-songwriter, and producer. She recently appeared in the animated film Trolls World Tour as Queen Barb, which my family highly recommends. Rachel's first book, I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are, was recently released in paperback. She'll be starring in the new Hulu show Reboot in the fall.
2: Hi, this is Sandy. Here are three key Money Tales conversation topics Rachel hits on in this conversation. First, The importance of checking in with your partner when you need to lean on them for money. Second, how an element of her anxiety and depression is ADHD, which was really bad for Rachel in high school. She remembers that paying attention for a second in math class was like someone torturing her. Rachel thinks there are vestiges of that experience that remain with her when it comes to anything to do with math or numbers. Once she gained this awareness, Rachel learned to get better with it. And third, how there are times in life when you can take on more career risk, which is also a form of financial risk. Rachel talks about how for her, the creative has always been more important than the money and how she and her husband intentionally used the period of time before they started their family to pursue the projects they wanted to without worrying about money. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and please subscribe to the Money Tales podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Now on to our conversation with Rachel Bloom. Hello Money Tales
1: listeners. This is Cammy and I'm here with my co-host Sandy. Hey Cammy. I was thinking today as we prepared to have this conversation, what's been a crazy money purchase or experience you've had?
2: There was a time when I went to New York on a business trip after having lived there for a couple of years. My husband, who was not my husband at the time, joined me. It was his birthday. This is so last century. The Zagat books were like the big deal around the New York restaurant scene at the time. When I lived in New York, I sadly didn't have very much money to dine out, especially not for fine dining. So for Jerome's birthday, I made a reservation at Restaurant Danielle, which was on the top of the fanciest New York City restaurant list. And I was so excited. We had a wonderful meal the check came at the end. And I knew it was going to be expensive, but the cost was about equivalent to my rent at the time. Oh, geez. While I was in a better financial situation then compared to when I actually lived in New York, it was still a big bill to pay. That was a little bit crazy, but it was fun. How about you, Cammy? Do you have a crazy money story?
1: I've got some similar ones along those lines, but my craziest is the purchase of the home I live in today. We live in Northern California. The prices are nuts. When my husband and I were buying, I was about to have a baby. So as we like to say, we were eager buyers. When you're a seller, you must just smile when you see a very pregnant person coming in because you're like, yes, we got them. The thought of paying what we paid for this house was just nuts, but we got over it and we stretched we were really thoughtful. We didn't want to put ourselves in jeopardy, but we did stretch ourselves beyond what I had expected us to do. Now, today, I get to be very thankful six years later, as we're about to celebrate that daughter's sixth birthday, that we did do it, that it isn't as crazy. I'm glad we were thoughtful and made sure we'd have some money, but boy, that's my craziest money decision.
2: Awesome. When we spend more money than we plan, it can be a little bit scary.
1: I'd like to welcome our guest, Rachel Bloom. It's wonderful to be talking with you today on Money Tales. Hi, thanks for having me. Would you provide us with a brief introduction uh, to yourself, sharing a couple pivotal moments that really influenced you and made
0: you the person you are today? I was born in Natten Beach, California. I went to school for theater in New York. I became a comedian, started doing mix up of comedy and music online and on stage. In 2015, a TV show that I co-created and starting called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend premiered. That lasted for four years. And then I wrote a book and I had a baby in 2020. And now I'm working on other things and here I am. That's a kind of summary of my life.
1: Now people understand why Sandy and I were talking about our crazy money stories. So we'll go into all that We love starting at the beginning. There you were in Manhattan Beach. How was money handled in your home? How did you become present to it?
0: In high school, my father actually started showing me the family finances so that I could start to understand what was going on. And I have kind of an old dad. And so, especially in college, he's like, okay, if anything happens to me or your mother, it's on you. I'm an only child. So he also was like, here are all the books and the financial information you need to know. It's in my office up here. At one point, I was working with their money manager in the middle of my career. I now have my own money manager. I had a very standard middle-class upbringing. I mean, technically, I think monetarily, my parents were upper middle-class, but it was very, our standard dinner was Olive Garden, if that makes any sense. I felt like I had a very middle-class upbringing, but also took a bunch of theater classes and dance classes and singing classes. And so that speaks to the comfortability of it. I didn't think about it much. I had an allowance. I don't remember how much it was, but it wasn't a ton. And then I got a job to pay for voice lessons that I was doing to prep for college auditions. I remember I got a job the summer between my junior and senior year of high school as a hostess at a local brunch restaurant. And I worked there until college.
2: Tell us what it was like for you being a high schooler to have your dad open up the family finances to you. As I'm saying it, I think it was
0: college when I was living in dorms, of course, but I didn't really understand it and still kind of don't understand it in a way. I knew we were comfortable and my father showed us the finances and it confirmed, okay, we're comfortable. It didn't really affect me. I mean, the thing that I wish it had done It's not something I did until many years later where I read Women and Money by Suzy Orman, just to understand what was happening. Because my dad, when I was born, he put some money into municipal bonds. And when I graduated from college, he gave me that money that had grown from municipal bonds. My dad's like a big municipal bonds guy. That's also something he hit home is like, invest in municipal bonds.
2: Do you know why he was
0: so interested in munis? I think he's just a conservative investor, but also I think he's smart about money. My dad is very smart about money. My parents aren't big spenders. They're just not spendy people. They have very simple tastes. There's not like furs, jewelry, cars, like going to fancy resorts. Like there's just none of that in my house. It's something I didn't think about a lot growing up. When I started to think about it was really when I graduated from college and I suddenly really had to start budgeting. How'd that go? I'm still not super organized with money and life things in general, but it was a total mystery to me. I I still don't understand why every college or high school doesn't have a mandatory course in finances. Cheers to that. The fact that I learned what APR was when I was 26, but I had a credit card. That's insane. No one teaches you about anything. Honestly, I need to reread a book because the S&P 500, no one told me what this stuff was. And then also just how to budget for your life. When I got out of college, I had a little bit of money. You know, my dad had given me from these municipal bonds, but not a ton. And I wanted to start making my own short films. And I was then a hostess at like a fancy restaurant where I think I was earning $11 an hour every month through a combination of finances and also my lack of being able to organize my money. I struggled to make rent. It was always like every last cent was coming out of my account to pay for rent. And a couple of times I had to borrow a hundred bucks from my friend here and there. And so how did that feel? It's awful. It's, it's so scary. You feel constantly tenuous and scared, and especially not only inability to make rent, but I lived with other people. So if I couldn't make the rent, it would screw them over too. I got together with my husband in college, boyfriend, now husband. We moved in together when I was like 23 and he was by then a working writer. And so definitely there were parts of the rent that were covered by him where if I hadn't had him in my life, I would have either not been able to make rent or I would have had to really, really scale down where I was living. And we weren't living in like a fancy place, but you know, a two-bedroom apartment in LA, I definitely feel that he had my back a lot.
1: That's a nice feeling. You're pursuing a career in the arts, which it's just fascinating to me. is so hard, and the pay's so low, and you gotta just plug along. Were you two talking about like how are we gonna handle this, or did you just deal with it day in and day out?
0: No, we did. I remember we split the rent accordingly. He paid more, and I was always paying less. There were definitely months where I was like, I can't make rent this month. Can you spot me? <laughs> and by then, my husband was already a staff writer on How I Met Your Mother. When you're a writer on a show, he was not only earning. Not a ton of money because he had a writing partner. And when you write for a TV show and you have a writing partner, you actually split the payment, which is why it's maybe easier to get hired having a writing partner because you're getting a two for one. So he and his writing partner were splitting a staff writing salary, but it got them into the Writers Guild, which got them health insurance. And I was able to jump on his health insurance. So we definitely discussed this stuff. The rent at our place that we lived for four years was not terrible. It was like a real steal. We were there up until the first season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It was this tiny bungalow. I remember every month, actually, for taxes, going through all my bills, highlighting what could be a business, what couldn't be, how much could I spend on restaurants this month. I gave myself like a little budget. I was really, really watching what I did. But I always had a boyfriend who had this nice job. And if I couldn't make my portion of the rent, he could spot
2: me. But we were technically splitting the rent. Rachel, in those times when your boyfriend was covering you, he had your back, which is a great feeling. But for some people, it can also be uncomfortable. Were you guys talking through that? Was there any discomfort? I think the thing that made it
0: nice was I was where he was. My husband's five years older than I am. I was where he was five years prior So he understood it. I was making my own comedy videos, which he had been doing five years prior. I was writing on mostly non-union TV writing gigs, which he'd been doing. So he understood it. It was awkward. There were some times that I remember for whatever reason, I became in charge of us moving from our old apartment into our new place. This is December, 2011. And I completely fucked up the movers. Like I didn't realize how much they'd be. I didn't realize they'd need cash. That was definitely tension on that day. It all bled into me not fully preparing for logistical things well. I slowly learned you just got to be upfront and be impeccable with your word and be realistic about what you can afford and checking in. Are you okay spotting me? And he was, but I would always check in. It is weird, but because he understood where I was in my career and because I was making my rent most of the time, and I wasn't super spendy outside of the short films I was making. So I think because of that, he understood where I was coming from. I can imagine he was frustrated at times when I was like, I can't make rent this month. I'm sure. Sounds like you spoke the same language, which does help We did, but I have to say he much more pays attention to budgeting and money a lot more. I think it speaks to my unpreparedness. It speaks to, I think men feel like that's their burden. They have to be more prepared. I think it also speaks to consider myself, quote unquote, bad with math and bad with numbers. I think that the stuff was just never properly explained to me. I've come to realize, side note, in the past year that an element of my anxiety and depression is ADHD, which all of them actually kind of connect. And it was really bad in high school. I just remember even paying attention for a second in math class was like someone was torturing me. And so I think there are vestiges of that that still last in my life. My eyes glaze over when it comes to anything to do with math or numbers. And I had to learn to get better with that. And I think that having a kid, when I got pregnant with like a lot of logistical stuff, first of all, my TV show had ended, so I had time, but I did go into this like nesting mode I suddenly became the point on the prenatal classes. I'm the point on what are we buying for the nursery? I got much more organized. And so I think becoming a mom, you have to be much more organized in general.
2: A lot of responsibilities that come with that job. A lot. Yeah. Tell us about how money played a role in your ambition. You said you were spending a lot of money early in your career on making short films of your own. What was the goal for you at that time? Purely to be making my stuff, making
0: music videos and sketches that I thought were funny that would continue to make a name for myself, money was never the goal. I think because I knew that with any success I would have in the arts, there would be money. And I had a very low bar. I remember when I started writing with Aline Brosh McKenna, with whom I co-created Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, originally... We'd met at CBS. We had this blind date at CBS and we were going to create this big network show to go on CBS or NBC. And someone there said, well, you know, Rachel's not really famous. I understand you're technically writing the show for her to be in. I think you should write a friend part that Rachel could play just in case she doesn't get cast in the part you're writing for her because wasn't famous enough. And at one point we were talking and I said, hey, is there a reason we can't just pitch this for cable with me starring in it? And Aline was like, well, network is going to be a lot more money for you. And I said, well, I have no money. So any amount of money is going to be great and fine. And she said, well, I'm not doing this for the money. Like I'm already a successful screenwriter. This is a passion project. It was just not about the money in that I knew if I were to get another job on a writing staff, if I were to sell a show, that would be money. So they were always going hand in hand. The goal always being, I didn't want to go back to working in a restaurant. So then I wrote for the People's Choice Awards. I did some work on the MTV Movie Awards. And then I started writing for Robot Chicken. Yes, it was a way to make rent, but also it was a way to forward my career. So I guess- money and career success in my field were kind of synonymous to a point. It wasn't like I was trying to do the thing that would earn me the most money. If I was trying to do the thing that would earn me the most money, I would have just quit writing <laughs> and tried to become an executive or something. The creative was always more important than the money. And I remember saying to my husband early on when he was deciding which things to do, I said, look, we don't have kids right now. It's just us. We're okay. Let's just do what we want to do and take the money that comes with that.
1: I loved your book, I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are. I listened via audio. So great to hear your voice telling these stories. And when you talked about the day in the life of working in your many functions for a crazy ex-girlfriend, I was blown away at how intense it is. You referenced your solace was going to the bathroom. That was your break. What was driving you?
0: Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was a show I co-created and starred in. Also, it's a musical, so I co-wrote much of the music on that show. So in my book, I go over a day in the life, which is a typical day is crew call. When we say the crew gets there, was nine a.m. That meant I would get there at seven thirty a.m. That's a later day for film. Seven thirty a.m. So I'd spend an hour and a half in hair and makeup. While that was happening, I would read over an outline or watch a music video edit because I would also script out all of the songs for the music videos and supervise the edits of the music videos. So I'd be doing work while getting hair and makeup. I'd go to set rehearse while they were then lighting after the rehearsal. That's when I would get dressed and answer my emails. I'd go to set and then in between shots, I would then be writing on my computer or I would go to editing and watch a music video. I often had a meeting during lunch. I would try to sneak in a little nap. And then that was a full 12-hour shooting day. And then after wrapping, filming, if I still had work to do, going over a story with Aline or writing a song, then I would do that work. And so often I had these 14 to 16-hour days. And what drove me was it was the thing I'd always wanted to do. And also I had no choice. The choice was either do the show or don't do the show, if that makes any sense. We ended up being a network show. We were on the CW. And when you're on a network show, there's a certain amount of episodes you have to produce. We had to do anywhere from 13 to 18. And a lot of that overlaps with the writing time and the editing time. So as opposed to a cable show where you often say you have an eight to 10 episode order, you write, and then you film, and then you edit. And it's this kind of long process. You do everything at once with network. So my goal was make the best show possible. And I felt like the only other choice would have either do the show or then be like, I don't want to do the show anymore.
1: Go, no go. That sounds like not really a decision.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, a couple of years ago, I did some sort of interview where I was like, I don't know how much money I'm making right now. And it was because I was at work all the time. And my husband, because I was working, he really took care of, first of all, facilitating buying our house. We bought a house in the middle of season one, paying the mortgage, paying the bills. And so all I knew was we were doing okay, but I was in such a work haze. He really handled so much of it. And actually when my agents were trying to negotiate for higher pay, at one point I asked, this is me being kind of naive on how production and money works. I was like, is there any way to take some of the money we are asking for and just put in the production budget? Because that's actually what I really cared about. It was like personal money. I'm doing okay. I'm paying my rent. I'm paying my utilities. That's fine. But what I really would love is if we had a little bit more money for our musical numbers. There's still a certain amount where I was like, as long as I'm not starving or worried about making rent or making my mortgage, all of that extra money is whatever. Now, that's not how I feel anymore, having a kid. And during the pandemic, I had a kid. Long story, but we basically found out a lot of construction that had gone into our house was faulty.
2: Oh, dear. So
0: We were both in a lawsuit during the pandemic and rebuilding a lot of parts of our house. I have a different view of money now. So tell us about that evolution. Just suddenly there's more expenses. It's just big expenses. Giving birth is expensive. A lawsuit's expensive. Rebuilding your house while you're still living in it is expensive.
2: How are you and your husband navigating through this period
0: that sounds completely stressful? Very stressful. Yeah. We had to budget. We had to do the math of, okay, how much more can we afford with lawsuits? And then, okay, what is this construction costing us? Here's the estimate they gave us. Oh no, this estimate's going up. Okay. What does that mean for our other expenses? It was definitely stressful.
2: How would you describe your relationship with money today after having gone through that period and kind of looking over the arc of your life so far?
0: Much more mindful of it. I also just have the time to look at, okay, what am I taking in? Where are we at every month? I would say more mindful, but now that we're not in a lawsuit, now that construction has ended, I'm definitely less stressed out about it.
2: As you look forward in your career, is the focus still on the projects in creating? Yeah, the
0: focus is on the projects because with
2: an elevation
0: of projects, also
2: as a byproduct
0: comes an elevation of money. It just does. And I think that's the case for not all, but many careers. I don't know. I don't need to buy a boat. I would say at some point, probably a bigger house. Right now, we have this open concept thing going on in our house on our top floor where if we're anywhere upstairs while the toddler is there, it's hard to get work done. So eventually, maybe a house where the rooms are more compartmentalized, but I love our house and I feel pretty good with where I'm at. I don't have much of a hunger. The hunger comes with the career, the money. This might sound naive, but is this cool side effect of the career stuff. It was never a goal of mine to be like a billionaire. It's not one of those people. Like, I need what I need. I want what I want. And if I can afford those, great. But I don't have many aspirational
2: money things. I'm curious, Rachel, when you think about your child, does your relationship to these money ideas change at all? Or are they pretty consistent?
0: No. I mean, I think it's just a matter of then looking at expenses for whatever school or classes or clothes and then her college fund and just every month looking at it and making sure we're on the right track. And then I think also it's most important for me as far as her to understand, look, she'll be growing up in Los Angeles. Let's say I would count myself like lower upper class. And for her to understand that's not a given. And for her to understand that First of all, there's no amount of you fundamentally deserve something because your parents have some money. A lot of that is luck and good fortune and understanding that there are other socioeconomic classes, all these fancy private schools in Los Angeles. If you grow up only knowing like kids in your economic class or kids even richer than you, I worry about it giving her a skewed perspective on the world. I have no template for raising a child. My parents weren't in show business. I have no template for this. I went to a good public school and felt like I had a very normal middle-class upbringing. So that's mainly what I've been thinking about is almost how she sees money too and the role of money in her life and everyone else's life and having perspective on that.
2: Are you talking to your friends in the industry about their experiences? Is there open conversation about financial parenting? It hasn't gotten to the financial
0: parenting yet. I'm more looking at my school options asking friends, where are you sending your kids to school? Why? And I have friends who have kids who run the gamut from being very wealthy to middle-class working writers, working comedians, some even who aren't in the industry, which is a novel concept for Los Angeles. So I'm getting the lay of the land.
1: You've become a very familiar name in our family, at least your stage name in Trolls 2. We're big fans. We loved it. My daughters know I'm talking to Queen Barb right now, which is really special. Tell us about what it's like when you get involved in an animation role versus the other type of acting.
0: With Trolls, we recorded that for, I want to say we started in 2017 and I did the bulk of it recording on weekends because I was working on Crazy X during the weekdays. It's a different work schedule because you can really schedule it around you. You're not in a room with the other people. For better and for worse on my end, instead of casting professional voice actors, A lot of times it's actors and comedians and celebrities getting these big voice roles so they can't be in a room together because everyone's schedule is so crazy. So it's generally these three hour ish voice sessions where you just go through lines in the script and all that matters is what you're putting into the mic. And so a lot of times what you'll do on any line is a run of three. You'll say the line three different times. And then if they have notes, you'll say it again. So it is very different from acting on camera where you don't just do a line over and over again, you do the entire scene.
2: Will you tell us what's your next money conversation going to be and who's it going to be with? Probably my husband. When we look at our monthly finances
0: just to make sure we're doing okay and just to make sure we're doing okay. Yeah, (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Yeah. I was very lucky to not be worried about money as a kid. I know that that's not everyone's experience. And so I was very lucky to have it be a given that I never worried if I was going to eat. I never worried about my parents making rent And I'm fortunate now that it's a monitoring of, okay, are we doing okay, rather than a monthly, weekly, ah, God, can we afford a new roof? Can we afford this car repair? I want to acknowledge that I am very fortunate.
1: Really well said. You shared a lot of different perspectives coming from the world you live in, the passion for creativity. Really appreciate you bringing up some of the learning that you're going through right now as a mom and in your many roles. So thanks for joining us, Rachel, on Money Tales.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to the Money Tales podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you think would benefit from listening. And leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your ratings and reviews help more people find our podcast. If you're inspired to gain clarity and peace of mind about financial matters, don't hesitate to reach out to our team at Asperient. Go to Asperient.com forward slash start a dialogue. Or you can email Sandy and me at podcasts See you next time.